<laughs> That's what the entertainment world does, but not us. God bless you this morning. Appreciate you. You can be seated. Our class is going back. God bless all of our Sunday school. Good to see all of our guests. Man, it's good to have each one of you. It's good to have Erica with us. Come worship with us. A friend of Sister Leanna's come to worship the Lord with us. Appreciate her being here this morning. God bless her. It's good to see each one of you. In the house of the Lord. Our campers made it back. Had an awesome week. And praise God. And God's been good to us this week. Brought us through another week. Continue to pray for the Daniel family. Amen. Sandra's family continue to pray for them that God would keep them. Also remember Aunt Laura and her family this morning. Uh, keep them in prayer uh, in Florida. That God would just be with them in that situation. A lot of things going on. A lot of things are happening. It's a busy time, a busy world, and we got to be careful with that. Sometimes we become so busy that we don't have time to take care of the real business. And uh, you know what? If we don't take care of the real business, all the others not going to mean anything. That's what Jesus warned us in the types of soil, the cares of life, the riches, man, things like that that would choke out the Word of God. Man, and so everybody here struggles with time. Amen. Time. Having time to do this and time to do that. And I'm telling you, it's going to pay us. It's going to pay off big time to take out time for God. Take out time to read, take out time to pray, take out time to witness, take out time to serve serve others. In fact, we had to die out to have the experience we got today. We had to make a commitment to God that uh, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Whatever he would lead and guide us, I, I believe he's still in the business of doing it. Amen. Got a good lesson today. One of those lessons that's uh, there's going to be some topics going to come up in it that's uh, maybe I would say maybe a little different that ones that you don't hear a lot of and and uh, I, I will be careful in some of those areas. Uh, I'll confess at the very beginning of this, I'm not the biggest fan of death bell repentance. And that may just put a right on to start with, but that's that's not that's not the best way. That's not what to have in the back of your mind. I, I believe within the back of every backslider, in the back of their minds, I'm coming home. I'm going back. But if you could if somehow could get the record books and keep the records. You'd see the percentage is far less making it back. Okay. I mean, it's just the way it is. So the best deal is why you got strength and opportunity and abilities. You give yourself to God. And you, you let God work for you. I said all that because this, this our lesson, especially the end of it, really focus, and I'm far. I, I believe the mercy and the compassion of God like anybody. I preached on that. If you're really listening Wednesday night about the grace of God, man, working for us, unifying and joining us and having compassion toward one another. 
you know, to say that we got all the dots dotted all the time and all the T's crossed all the time and we do things so perfect and, and we know better. So we, we believe in this, the long-suffering, the mercy of God. But there's, there is a plan of salvation. There is a foundation that we believe scripturally that must unfold, that must take place. And so the tale of two thieves, the tale of two thieves. I have really pondered and prayed, and there's a lot that can be uh, injected into this or left out because the scriptures only lets us know a very small portion of the conversation of these two thieves. Okay? It only gives us insight. We don't know. We're not even sure what crimes they committed. We know it was crimes uh, to the point of, of, of death. Okay? And even by our laws, there's certain crimes that have to be committed. And then you faith may face the death penalty. And most of the time, there's a combination of them. Robbing and stealing and things of that nature. Certain couple of acts that propels this and brings it on. And then there's the area of proving it. That it wasn't you know, pre-planned. It wasn't meditated. If it was just a, a spur of a moment, you lost your temper and done it. The, the, all of that weighs in, believe it or not, even in our courts today. And so when we look, and we're going to talk about crucifixion itself a little bit. And uh, there, there was no more of a horrible death, painful death, than by the way of crucifixion. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about all of this. And... Uh, at the same time, of the help of the Lord, uh, we, you, you never reach a point. I, I remember saying this. I've said this for years. It's never too late to do what's right. You're never too old to do what's right. Okay? So, uh, I know you may say, well, boy, you, you jump, and, and, and I am. But, uh, but I'm afraid if you listen to your religious world, uh, they, 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 <laughs> they, 90% of those they save is death, 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 burial, repentance. You can owe, amen me, owe me. And I'm just not the type of person that just, I, I mean, I don't try to say things that hurt. I don't try to do any of that. But neither do I believe in misleading. Did you know that's what they accused Jesus of? Right here in this lesson. Man. And so... You know, truth sometimes when it's preached and taught and lived, sometimes we're accused of misleading people. But that's not the truth. The real truth is, if anybody's trying to lead them right, it's that one that's walking in truth. It's preaching truth and walking in the power of it. Okay? So, maybe I shouldn't have said all that out the gate, but anyway. It's, it's bothered me since I've studied the lesson. Because it's way too much of it. And there's way too many people always thinking, I'm going to get it better tomorrow and next week and the next revival. First news to know they got children. Next news to know they're, they're retiring. And next news to know they got gray hair and no hair. And if they're not careful, they're still putting it off. 
And then you got to worry about those spirits that wrap themselves around you in this process. Amen. Those viper spirits and those ungodly uh, attitudes and things that if you don't deal with them, they just continue to grow and, 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 and wrap us up. Those spirits can be handed down from families. And so, so you just can't play these kind of games. And then we're going to talk about paradise itself. Paradise. And, and, and this is one of the areas that a lot of people, when you, when you start giving them the Acts biblical plan of salvation, this is the guy they want to go to. Well, the man on the cross wasn't baptized. And the man on the cross didn't receive the Holy Ghost. That's because the man he was talking to was the Holy Ghost. It's because the man he was talking to bared the name. It's because the man he was talking to was the door. And the door can allow in anybody at any dispensation he wants to because he's God Almighty. But when that same door and that same God in the next dispensation says you must be born again, amen, then you must be born again. It's the same voice, the same door. So it's, it's powerful. It really is. And I'd, I'd love to. And I searched as much as I could and read and prayed that God would help us. Because I'd love to have known. One of the things that really that, that's moved me about this. What moved that thief to call on Jesus at that moment in his life. When the majority went right across from him. And the majority that was walking by was railing, mocking, and making statements. If you'll come off that cross, we'll believe you. But this man in the midst where there was only a small little group that was at a far distance. And some disciples that had forsaken him. But just a small little group, amen, of John and a few little women at a far distance watching. Amen. Really understood who he was. But something moved in this man called grace and the power of God. That beyond all the odds, he believed that he believed that he was the Jesus Christ. And he believed that he was the Messiah and he believed that there was going to be a kingdom by this man even though he was fixing to die in just a few moments he was hanging on a cross and a crucifixion and fixing to die himself be able at that moment and that time to, to get a hold of something and to allow something to get a hold of him to call and to cry out to him and the scriptures is pretty well going to prove that he believed this. And that he was willing to repent. And he did repent. This man repented. I'm going to prove it by the scriptures. There's a reason for that. True repentance. True acknowledgement of an error that you do. One of the best ways to find when somebody's convicted and they committed the crime is when sentence day comes, they receive the sentence by the judge according to the law and inside those laws. 
if they're guilty and they know they're guilty and they're really sorrowful for the crime they have committed, then they're willing to pay the price for the crime. If they bulk against it, if they feel like they wasn't done right, they don't feel like it's fair, I can take it to Cain, babies. I can take it. Don't take, don't take long upon this earth to find out. And God gave him his sentence. So you see what I'm saying? True repentance says, you know what? I'm willing to bear the burden of it. I committed the crime. That's the reason, the only way that you and I can get into this kingdom, you must first die. The price of sin is death. Either you're going to die in this life or in that one to come. One or the other. And then here's the second deal. And you're going to have to live a repentant life. And our apostle put it this way. I died daily. Dies. Dies. A lot to it. Keep this old man under subjection. Keep this. I'm still my biggest enemy. If I can just keep this old boy where he needs to be, God takes care of the rest of it. God will fight the battles. God will bring us out. If I'll just be led by the Spirit and walk in the Holy Ghost, I don't have not one thing to worry about. Doesn't matter about the finances. Don't matter about all that other. And I really, really, if I just keep walking the Holy Ghost and trusting God, He'll take care of all the children. He'll take care of everything else. Now, if they don't want to believe this, that's their fault. Oh, <laughs> Well, Paul struggled with that a little bit. He said, oh, I'd become a cursed thing for the Israel, but they might be saved. But he knew it, it couldn't work that way. Messiah's come. Jesus Christ has come. And if Israel's going to be saved, it... so the tale of two thieves. Focus verses Luke 23 and 42. He said unto Jesus, Lord, notice what he called him. What Paul write to us in the Corinthian letter? How's the only way we can call him Lord? By the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You, 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 if, if you and I call him Lord without the Holy Ghost, we have, we have deceived ourselves and we have lied. It's, that's blunt, ain't it? That's, that's, but, but it's there. It's, it's there. And uh, so, so we notice right off here. He calls him Lord. Man, he, he died. Hey, you're the Lord. You're my Savior. Yeah. I may be hanging on this cross and I may be fixing to die. But you're my Lord. You're, you're my Savior. I, I believe you. I believe the gospel. Now, I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself in a way. But uh, we, we, do, we don't know. I don't know what all he's heard. And, and so we've got to go through the scriptures. And some things that was unfolded. I do know he heard some of the conversation. Even from the Lord, the statements he's making off of that cross. But how much and how much of the tabernacle plan? How much did he know? How much, uh, you know, who was this guy? We don't even have their names. We don't know nothing about their history. What gender far as, as uh, what if I was a Jew or if they was, you know, a Gentile. 
Because you got to understand something. The Romans and this crucifixion, and I'm going to talk about crucifixion a little bit. I'm going to read some things about crucifixion, the bringing of it, and how it even in the Bible start, and, and the process of how some of this unfolds and things of that nature. And finally, it comes to the point where we're even at uh, a man. Uh, you know, I remember my Enoch's of E. Uh, they want, went when they was, I, I'm almost sure they were just teenagers and maybe young teenagers at that time. But they remember going to Loosedale. And they saw a man hung. They'd done it publicly. Done it for everybody. And they, they actually encouraged people to come. But there was a reason for that. Because when they seen the results of what happened to this guy after the crimes he committed, it really put a, uh, a, or a hesitant upon somebody else going that far. Because I don't want this outcome. And so that's the same way with this crucifixion business. Now, the Romans may not realize it, and others, and we'll talk about that, but this is the purpose of, of why they crucified a lot of people, to, to persuade others, if you choose this direction, this is what's going to happen to you. All right, and I'm going to tie that back in in just a little while. So he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Truth about God, God is always ready to save. He's always ready to forgive. He's always ready to receive back. I can promise you that. I promise you he is. He's probably more ready than we are. He really is. Truth for my life, I can call on Jesus and find a place of repentance. Finding that place of repentance. But we are warned in the scriptures because Esau sought it carefully with everything he could. And he could not find it. I know I'm, I'm just trying to help us to understand something. Because I'm telling you, this is a doctrine that's got a hold of this country. They feel like you don't even really have to repent until you're on your deathbed. And all of a sudden, all you got to say, the Lord is my shepherd or the Lord is my savior. And a few little things. And, and they put them in heaven. Here's why I got such a problem with that. Because everybody else that came to that funeral and everybody else you told that to, you told them that same line. Guess what? That's the easiest way. And this old flesh loves to do it the easy way. At whatever cost. So and so done so and so. It's a spiritual thing. It really is. It's a, and it's, it's got us. I'm telling you, it's got us. And it's time for some preachers to start standing back up and saying, you know what? Y'all lied to them folks. That's the reason I don't hardly go to those, those funerals. Because I have to sit on my hands. I have to. Because I really want to. I'm telling you, I really want to get up and just scream at them. And I'm, I'm a pretty nice guy most of the time. But I'm telling you, I could scream at them. I could tell them. You're lying. You're lying through your teeth. You can't find that in the book. It is not right. Don't deceive these people. And so, repentance. Let's talk about crucifixion for just a minute. And um, crucifixion, you know, it's this form of punishment was used among, what's this? The first time we see about it, read about it, it's Acts in Genesis 40 and 19. It's by the Egyptians. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh, this is Joseph, interpreting the dream man for the butler and he interpreting that dream he tells him in three days amen that uh, he's going to lift up his head off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the bird shall 
eat thy flesh from off thee. He's going to take his head off, but then he's going to hang him up, and he's going to leave him out there for the birds to come and devour and to scatter him. That's, that's, that's pretty, it'd be pretty awesome, I mean, pretty gruesome, and uh, to think if that was your loved one, if that's your son or your husband or your, your whatever, you know, dad. And, and so, again, when you go to Esther 7 to 10, you're going to read there and we're in the Persians where they practice this. This is, this is crucifixion where it starts, we start seeing it, start seeing it showing up. And, and so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified because of this. It was like, um, if, if you watch this, it's, it's almost like vengeance. It's almost like, you know, they lied to me, they deceived me, they committed these certain. I get some kind of pleasure out of watching them go through some form of persecution and, and, and agony and pain. You know, it brings some pacifying to me. Okay? There's a lot to this. It goes from that. We just, I'm just going to talk about some of it. He said, from the earliest times among the Greeks and Romans, at the conquest of Tyre, Alexander the Great ordered some 2,000 tyrants to be crucified. This, see how far in history we jump, but to, the, the, Alexander the Great done this. Man, he brought this about, punishing them for resistance, which that city had made the resistance against him. This is the reason he done. So there was a message that's always sent with this. If you stand against me, if you buck against me, this is going to be your outcome. You, you're going to crucify you, and we're going to hang you up on the tree. Or, and sometimes that crucifixion wasn't always of a cross. Sometimes it could be just a tree. Sometimes, you listen to what they talk about. Crucifixion was, was abolished by Constantine probably toward the end of his reign, uh, owing doubtless probably to the increase in reverence for the cross. But punishment by the cross was confined to slaves and to male factors. Now, now pick that up and see where we where we at. Still certain individuals and certain crimes, they were still going to use this same method. That's the reason, if you notice, even our country and our world, what they call war crimes. Even in the time of war, where at one time you used to hear this statement, in war times anything goes. You be as cruel and harsh. You're killing. You're bombing. You're this and but but that's not now. They've they started coming in and we got war crimes. It's, there are there are limitations. There's certain acts and crimes that you commit, a man and and, and and slaughtering people and things and take measures that you know what other countries may come along. Maybe later, but they're gonna come along and they're gonna hold you accountable for these actions and deeds that was done. The cruelty of humanity. And so we paint a picture here this morning of how cruel crucifixion really could be. How painful. How one of the most, if not the most, horrible death that anybody could experience. Says, as it goes on, he talks about... uh, uh, among the Jews, whether this mode of execution was known to the ancient Jews is a matter of dispute. But like in Hebrews, Hebrew words apparently alluding to crucifixion. You would hear terms like this a lot of times in the Bible. Some of these in different translations means to hang or execute or to kill. And then the Jewish accounts of the matter is that the exposure of the body, 
tied it to a stake by the hands or took place after death. The placing, uh, or the placing of the head on an upright pole has been called crucifixion. Crucifixion after death was, was not rare. The victims being first killed in mercy. And then they would, the Jews were probably borrowed this punishment from even the Romans. They would actually, they would, through mercy, they would come, but then they would hang their bodies. And we gave you just a couple, amen, out of the scriptures how they performed some of this. So we, we get a little idea what crucifixion was all about and, and how it was unfolding. Among the Jews as well as among the Romans, this type of crucifixion was considered the most horrible form of death. To the Jews, it would seem the more, more horrible from the curse because in Deuteronomy 21 and 23 taught them who... He who was hung was, was cursed of God. The, if you was hung, if you was, went through this process of, of dying and, and, and being overcome by the, the, the judgment of the world. Our Lord was condemned to it by the popular cry of the Jews. And we will talk about then the charge of, of the of seizure that come against him. That was the reason. So as we begin to look at the scriptures themselves, what, what the the, the the reason they hung him on the cross, they was blinded to the prince of life. If they really had known him, they would not have crucified him. The scriptures in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, is going to have to be fulfilled. You can go to verses uh, 7 and 9 and 12, and it talks about the transgressors. It talks about uh, a man uh, being laid, a man in the tomb of the rich and, 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 and being hung there. If you go back to those scriptures, you'll see that it was prophesied. This is what was going to unfold. A man is going to happen to the Lamb himself. And, and so we know all of this is scriptural and fulfilling of the Bible for, for, for the price to be paid. And so God didn't choose such an easy method, an easy way of paying the price of death. There is going to be a lot of agony, a lot of pain and suffering that's going to go along with this. And so as you talk about the process of crucifixion, we're preceded sometimes by scourging itself with thrones. And we know this. Sometimes metal and glass and nails would be wrapped into those cattails. And actually they would wrap around you and pull the flesh. And, and sometimes they would use these. And not only just sometimes a persecution or, or, or a crucifixion, but they'd also use it as a method and as a means. Paul faced this. If you go to the one time in the book of Acts, Amen. They threatened to, to scourge him to see the cause of the uproar that had taken place. And so they had chosen, the Romans have chosen a method that, hey, we'll scourge him and the truth will come out. Because if you whip him hard enough, he's going to tell you the truth. And, and, and Paul, but thank God, Paul, you know, he made the statement. He said, hey, I'm a Roman. It's not lawful for you to do this. And he was able to get out of that scourging. But yet there were are times, we know that many times that he had received these whippings and, and, and that were taking place. Now, were all of them just like... Uh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if all the scourgings are not just alike. Some of them were just with the leather whips and things. All of them didn't always have the things that's tied to them to pull the flesh. And because if, if you read anything about these scourgings, there were some that literally died from just the scourging itself. It cost him their lives. And so, but we still we, we get an idea of what's unfolding and, and what's really taking place and happening here. Uh, again, it goes on, it talks about it. And I know I'm spending a little time on just the crucifixion because uh, all said and done, this is some of the most important part. This is what's leading up. And, and, and before we get to the conversation between the two thieves and making the decision of what we're going to do and how we're going to respond to this. 
again, he talks about how that certain criminals carried, amen, some would carry the cross, some would carry maybe just a portion of it. They said that another person compelled to share, and we know even with Jesus, Simeon was called in to help bear his, and we most believe because of the scourging that took place and the blood that he had lost and the weakness of the body here. So Simeon was called in to bear that cross and carry it, amen, for him. The place of crucifixion was always outside the city. You can go to several places in the Bible and see that arriving there, the condemned was stripped of his clothes, and which became the property of the soldiers, and the cross having been priestly erected, he was drawn up and made fast to it, either by cords or nails, sometimes by both. I mean, sometimes they would actually nail them to the cross and then erect it. And so it's just different means and methods when these things would unfold and take place. Most of them was just lifted some three or four feet up off the earth and the ground itself and lifted into the air, extended up and so we watching even here with Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and some of the reason that it would become so uh, painful and because of ex- exhaustion and they would actually smother as you're extended up and the little part on the feet and they're crossed over and nailed together but you lose the strength and, and, and believe it or not this little study that the guy done here he said there were some that would live up to nine days in this crucifixion hanging on this cross and struggling for life to breathe because you couldn't really breathe until you was able to shove yourself up and then you'd breathe and, and, and how that all the, the inward parts and the organs and how that they would begin to respond and let go and release and 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 so we, we just we got an idea, amen. If you ain't got an idea, amen, go listen to Brother Floyd Odom about it. He he goes and gets a doctor and and uh, I'm telling you it's it's unreal the agony, the pain. And you know what? We're living in a world that we 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 have glorified the flag, the cross and we have painted it with such a picture in such a manner and it's lost its effect upon us because sometimes we just let it slip from us the price that was paid that you and I as Gentiles have this opportunity and even Jesus knew because we know by his by his teachings and by his doctrines that the majority was still wasn't going to believe him and the majority was not going to follow this way but he was still willing to pay the price I believe Jesus would have went through this if only there was going to be one amen because here in that Gethsemane he prayed that prayer not my will but thy will. If it could have been any other way to let this cup out, but there wasn't any other way. So he surrendered. He submitted himself. There's a lot we can learn from this because I believe there's a lot of other journeys and, and pathways that you and I we, 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 some of our own choose and we choose and we make bad decisions and that's the outcome. But there are I believe by the divine hand of God amen. That the day that we was born and we was born in the church there was an avenue. There was a channel. There was a, a course that, that was mapped out for you and I as called of God. Amen. And there's going to be things in that course and in that avenue and realm that we got to walk down that journey. Everybody don't walk down the same journey. Everybody don't face the same problems and situations. But you know what? God gives us victory over every one of them. But you and I have got to make up in our mind without looking at our brothers and without looking at our sisters and saying, God, I want to walk in your will. And whatever pain and whatever struggles, amen, I got to be a part of. Amen. A part of that process, amen, is just get some things out of me, then so be it. Or if it's just to be a test and a light and a witness of the power of God and the love of God that's taken up a boat inside this vessel. I'm telling you, everybody can live for God if you just stay on the mountain. Everybody can live for God if you can just stay in camp forever. 
If all you ever done was go to church every day and every night, hallelujah. But you know what? They, they, if, if you just stayed inside a camp and you just stayed inside that, that scenario, amen, that's like getting in a cave. You won't do a whole lot of good. What you got to do, you got to get out in the highways and you got to get out in the byways. You got to get out and walk into the darkness. That's the reason Jesus told us. He said, you can go out in the field and come back safely. Hallelujah. Because you got one that's going to walk with you. You got one that's going to anoint you and help you. As long as you're walking in the Holy Ghost, as you're walking, amen, to glorify the Father, not self. As long as you're accomplishing the call of God that's been placed upon your life. I'm telling you, God's never lost anybody that responds to the call of God upon their life. God's never lost anybody washing his body, filled with his spirit, and walking in the Holy Ghost. I don't care how bad it got. I don't care how, 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 how far out in the desert, how high in the mountains, how many devils you had to face, how many lions you had to face. God's always brought his darlings through. But... We got to we got to get to the place that we're willing to deal with the pain. And we're willing to deal sometimes, if I could put it this way, the setbacks. And sometimes we got to deal with, I didn't expect it to be this way. Huh. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't know it was gonna have to. But whenever we get there, because we've all got a cross. And everybody's got a cross to bear. And that cross always symbolizes pain and not just pain but weakness that's the reason some of your most blessed times is when you rise up against all the weakness and the infirmities and when you look at yourself and say there ain't no way I'm qualified to do this but God by your grace through me by your call and anointing I believe that's the reason that Paul had a messenger. Amen. Because God was a special vessel. And God used him in a special way. And we're going to talk about him again at the end of this lesson. Amen. About Paul and some things that he encountered. <laughs> but I will tell you something. Just as much as he encountered some of the things that he didn't know if he's in the body or not. I promise you there were some days he knew that he was in the body. He knew that it was as much flesh as any other, anybody else. As he dealt with pain and struggling and rejection and all those things. But it's a part of the process. It's a part of the call. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. People don't usually backslide when all the bills are being paid. And, and when all the kids are doing right. And everybody's on, on high. And everybody's doing this. And, but sometimes you better watch some of that. Sometimes it's a front. Sometimes it's a put on. And it's not real. Amen. But when you get down to the real. And I, I know I've got on something here I wasn't expecting. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you. Amen. To bear the cross. This cross sometimes won't allow you to go certain places. This cross won't allow you to get involved in some things. This cross won't even allow you to get involved in some conversations but neither will it let you back up it's something about the power of the cross when you really understand that's what Paul told him when he come there into the cities and the places where the demonic forces and the powers of evil amen had set up camp and, and had been so successful but now when Paul came preaching I don't know nothing but the cross hallelujah it doesn't matter how many's been in, 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 in ungodly acts and ungodly powers and things of that nature when you begin to preach about the power of the cross hallelujah what was bought at the cross hallelujah 
you what can be set free at the cross that you can find at the foot of the cross you can't find in any other place you can find the deliverance at the foot of the cross you can find deliverance of past you can find deliverance of the future you can find deliverance amen at the bottom of that at the foot of that cross amen if you're willing to come to the cross on a regular basis if you're willing to bear that cross but if we mumble and complain and never want to go there we'll never have a victorious life you'll never live a true liberty liberty liberating life in this world this is where we find true liberty it's at the foot of that cross. This is where we find salvation. This is where we find healing. This is where we find the strength and the help. But I'm telling you, it's not easily bought. It's not easily become by. I'm telling you, it takes discipline. It takes a burden. It takes a passion. It takes a drive inside of us every day. God, I want to find you. I want to know you. Hey, man, I want to know you. And you, Paul told us that. The fellowship of your suffering. Conditioning the body. The mind, the heart, the spirit. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes going against the odds. You know, have that perfect body. Physically. It takes some discipline. You can't just eat what you want to eat and eat when you want to eat and eat as much as you want to eat. But it goes a step further than that. You got to start what they call exercising. You got to discipline yourself to it. One of the best things we can do, elders, is exercise. That's what you tell us. Why do they send you to therapy? To show you how to prop it up? To show you how to relax and, hey, don't, don't. There's a time for that. But what's one of the biggest problems with that deal? Sister Mallory could probably tell us. It hurts. Oh, wait, I can't bear it. Try to kill me. Sometimes it may be right. <laughs> it's going to kill me if you, if you don't back off. <laughs> but, but without, we, we, we say it and we've heard it all our lives. No pain, no gain. <laughs> That's true living for God. That's true walking in the Holy Ghost. We talk Wednesday night, those that exercise even in the spiritual realms. You've got to be willing to step out. You got to be willing, amen. But you got to keep your heart right. You got to keep your spirit right. I'm going to tell you something else you better keep right. You better get ready for the fiery darts. They're coming. They're going to come from places you never dreamed they'd come from. And you know what? That was, he's good at it. He's been doing it a lot longer than you have. He's been deceiving people a lot longer than you have. He's, been, he's doing a pretty good job. I mean, let's give him credit. I mean, we can say what we want to. But Paul said we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. When we fall to him with the Holy Ghost and experiencing God and experiencing the cross, hey, it's our fault. It's our fault. <laughs> but let me get off all that. Let's, let's begin to talk about and, and, and just, I'm just going to go through the scriptures because if I don't, I'm going I'm to run out of time and I'm, I'm going to try to hold not to be too, too lengthy. 
even prior leading up to this, we, we know that the whole ordeal in one night and all this takes place in just a few hours. That adds a lot to it, okay? And uh, the Pilate and Herod, uh, now they're accusing him of coming against Caesar, making himself a king. And uh, now they, they, the Lord had done dealt with that one time. In fact, I got the scripture here. I'm going to bring it to your attention. In Luke 20, three chapters prior to this, he said, He beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes and those that's coming out. And they realize that. They understand that. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people. And they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. They watched him. They're observing, they're watching, they're looking for an opportunity. They're looking for a means and a ways to ensnare, entrap, to accuse him. And sent forth spies, which should feed themselves just men. They're going to act like man. They're here for the right reason, right purpose. Man, we're for you. And, and so watch the conversation. Amen. That they watch them and sent spies. And, and uh, let me break on down. Hold his words. So they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. We, we've got to get him there. Because we, we don't have a law that we can, that, of death. We can't crucify him. We can't kill him. But if we can get him to the governor, if we can get him to Pilate, if we can get him there, we'll work it out from that point. Because he's the one that's got it. He's the one. They asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any. What do they simply mean by that statement? By authorities and positions. They don't impress you, Jesus. You don't allow them to manipulate you. You don't allow them to control you. Regardless of what position they're holding. The, the person's position. Now, he loves the person. But I'm going to tell you something. Man, sometimes we may think we're getting into a place. But we'll never get in the place that we can overpower and overrule God. Never will ever get in the place that we have to. We can find an easier way and do it a different way. Doesn't matter how modern we become, you cannot modernize the move of God. There's some old basic, simple methods and ways that brings revival and the power of God in our lives. And you know them. I'm not even going to tell you what they are because you know what they are. Prayer, fasting, reading that Bible, those things. We're not careful. We're going to be raised in a generation that thinks they can get around prayer and substitute it with entertainment and substitute it with other. It may work and feel good for a little while, but when the real struggles come and the real battles come, it won't get the job done. And that's the problem. He picks up and he says... Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? Verse 22. 
So here's the question. It's, it's about Caesar now. This is where we've got to get him in a snare. We've got to get him a trap to be against Caesar. But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny whose image and subscription hath it. They answered and said, Caesar's. Took that penny and showed them. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar, and to God the things which are God. And they could not take hold of his words before the people. And they marveled at his answer, and they held their peace. <laughs> he didn't give them no, nothing to, to work with, nothing to go by, nothing. Huh. I'm telling you. So this was the scheme. This is, it started back three chapters prior, this process of bringing this about. Amen. To fulfill this and looking for an opportunity. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll live for God, even when you're falsely accused, if you'll just handle it right, if you'll let God fight the battle, if you won't try to hold it, if you don't, if you don't and, and listen, you can't do this. I'm going to come God's way this time, but next time I'm coming my way. You're going to get that next time, and God's going to let you do it your way. I've learned something in the last few days. I'm not going to advertise days ahead that I'm not going to be at church. Let, let me explain myself. If I got sick tomorrow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't text the pastor tomorrow and say, Pastor, I just want to tell you ahead of time, I'm probably not going to make it Wednesday night. No, I'm learning this. No, I'm going I'm to say... Pastor, I'm going to be at church Wednesday night. Pray for me. I'm sick today, but, but I'm going to be at church. See, that's the real action of faith. Now, some of you are looking at me like, you know, whatever. I'm not getting on to nobody. I'm just telling you, amen, even, even if it's 12 hours ahead of time, uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it 12 hours ahead of time. said, hey, we're probably not going to be there in the morning because we, we, we're throwing up tonight. I know everybody don't, everybody don't agree with me. I'll tell you about your faces. But I'm going to try to help you. I understand that possibility, and I appreciate telling us. But here's, here's the point I'm trying to get across to us. I don't give no room for sickness. I don't give no room for the devil. Any of that. I'd just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm sick. And then if you're not so sick in the morning that you can't, it'll be all right. God will work it out. You don't have to worry about texting me, calling me, or anything, okay? But I'd rather you do that than say there's, there's a good possibility that I'm not going to be there in the morning. You just, you just positioned yourself. Now watch this. Boy, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm you just positioned yourself, amen, for a sickness that may have gone and gone last for six hours. God says, okay, I'll just let it linger for another 18 so we won't be there in the morning. I mean, you, you said it. You confessed it. 
The power's in the tongue. Life and death's in the tongue. Healing and sickness is in the tongue. Deliverance or bondage is in the tongue. Amen. I'm not going to say, devil, you're going to have me this way tomorrow. Paying and seeing you're going to control me. Oh, no. My God's a deliverer today. My God's a way maker today. My God's a healer today. It's my heart beating, passion, desire to be an ass of God. God, you can heal me before that hour comes. That's, that's what I'm trying to get us to understand. Folks, we're just a little too loose with our tongues. We say things sometimes without thinking it out. And, and, and we say things sometimes just out of ignorance. Unknowing to us and don't realize what's really going out. And, and the powers and the forces. God, nor neither did the devil tell Job what was going on. In fact, the devil tried to make it look like God was doing all of it. So, as this unfolds and we watch some things begin to happen and transpire and through the crucifixion and, and the mocking. And, and the, Matthew talks and talks about, says, he was wagging their heads and walking by. Been with mockery. Oh, if you'll come down off that cross and save yourself. Come on, you're the one said you could raise up this tabernacle in three days. If God loved you and you, you say you're the son of God, let God come in. They was using every method they could, man, to attack him. Now remember something. This thief, this malefactor is on a cross beside him. Watch what what happens here. So, the 26th verse talks about uh, the crucified at Calvary. And as they led him away, they lead hold of Simon. And then he's, as he's going there, amen, watch what Jesus, he responds unto those that are weeping. And the, the, the company of people and the women. And there's always this company and a multitude that even here, that's, uh, that's there, even those that were in, Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in thee which they shall say blessed. And he talks about the bearing of the wound and the parents that never gave suck. And then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us up. And, and most believe that could be even up to a twofold uh, cause of the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Also of the time of the great tribulation. But, but watch what he says in that 31st verse. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And when you start talking about the burning of a tree and things of this nature, amen, with this life and ability, amen, to in life itself in, in that tree, standing the storms. Let me let me ask you something. A dry tree, or could we say a dead tree? Have you ever notice a dead tree? It don't have any any swaving to it. If the storm gets right, all you're gonna hear, once you hear that, the next thing, babe. You better be getting out of the way. But not that green tree. The winds of doctrines. Let them blow. But we got a root system. And we got a foundation. And we got an experience with God. Amen. That we're going to stay put. 
we're going to stay established and grounded. Regardless of how pretty it might look like sometimes. And how awesome it might even sound to the ears. And in some places they're having some results. Amen. But those results, you know, you, you just you got to weigh everything out. You got to take everything through the scriptures. You got to take everything through prayer and supplication. Because I'm here to tell you again this morning. Everything that's claiming the, amen, Lord and Lord, is not always right. And everything that's claiming the baptism of the Holy Ghost don't always have the Holy Ghost. And so you've got to make sure by the scriptures. You got to make sure by that Jerusalem ring. You got to make sure, amen, that I'm going to stay here. That's what Jesus is telling him. Now the next verse picks up, and there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. So they're alone. They're in amongst this. They're in the crowds. They're hearing things being said. And I don't want to try to put anything into this that's not there. I try to leave anything out. But now they're having to deal with all this. They listen to the mockeries. They listen to the statements of different ones. They're watching the actions. Derail actually means to, to scream at him with an anger and with a, a despair. That's despicable. Look on your face and like you just despise him. Just who does he think he is? Uh, you ever been there? <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes the look does more harm than the words. Sometimes it don't even take no words. It just takes that look. Like, my Lord, what was that about? <laughs> Where'd that come from? I need to get with my sound man. I'm going to ask him, can we put up a couple of cameras up here? That will reflect and give you your own screen. Y'all can see what I see sometimes. <laughs> it will shock you. It will shock you sometimes. Of course, if you found out that he's up and saw the screen, you know. <laughs> well, some of you may not. That's up to you. But understand, they they're, they're, they've got to deal. They're, they're, they're dealing with all this. And so when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors on one, one on the right side and the other on the left. I'd love to know who was, was what side was he on. I want to say the right and there's a possibility. But the scripture, huh, scripture didn't, didn't let me know that. <laughs> but if I was a betting man, I'd say on the right. Why? Why? Because there's so much in the scripture, amen, about the right. Jesus Christ on the right. And I mean, I mean, and whenever you say, uh, uh, when you talk about people, well, they 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 on the right a little bit. And when you say that, well, they're a little, you know, they're a little lefty. You know what you're saying. Without saying it. And, and it goes on. He says. Then said Jesus father forgive them. For they know not what they do. They heard this. There's a part of it. They're hearing. Now Jesus is on the cross now. He's in agony. He's in pain. He, he's suffering with them. And they, they, they're hearing this come out of him. And not with the appearance that was being brought to him. You know, the Bible told us railing for railing. Stone for stone. <laughs> oh, 
Man, we're talking about it now. We're getting into some deep waters now. Amen. See, it's, 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 it's one thing to love them that love you. But it's a different thing to be able to love them that's persecuting you and railing you and talking about you and throwing stones at you. It's hard to keep that appearance on your face and have them kind words. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Did it have any effect? Well, ask Stephen. Ask the first martyr in the New Testament Bible how he responded to being gnashed upon with teeth. I'm telling you, there's a transformation that takes place at the cross. And this is the only place it ever takes place. It's an old-fashioned altar. And an old-fashioned altar. And a dying out to a man or to an individual. I'm telling you, it can't happen any other place. It's nothing more miraculous and powerful on the face of the earth than really experiencing the power of the cross. It changes us forever. It's dangerous. To sing the songs and, 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 and beautify the cross and, and glorify it in, a, in the wrong manner, the wrong way. Hallelujah. We, we got to understand what it really represents. What was happening there. But now here's one on one side. It's, as he listens to and watch him. But apparently this didn't attract him. Didn't draw. But he's listening to the rest of them. He's listening to them as they rail. Now, I know you can go to Matthew, and in, in one play, he writes it like they both had railed on him. But if you read just a little further, I think I've got that. Maybe. He, he makes it. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same. But watch this. Cast the same in his teeth. So it kind of changes. This and here. Or he could have been one of those. When it's first going on. And he might have made some statements. But then as he's watching now. As he's listening. Or could it be that. Maybe he done heard this man Jesus. Maybe he done heard some preaching. I don't know. Scripture don't let us know. But there was something that moved. Inside this man. You got to remember now. He's on a crucifixion himself. He's going to die. He's going to join in. Come on, come on. The other one did. Come on, get off this cross and save me. Save us. But what, what, what did the man tell him? He said, hey, he, this man's a just man. This man hadn't committed any crimes. He's not guilty as being charged like you and I. We're guilty. We deserve what we get. That proves to me he repented. That proves to me, amen, that he confessed. Come on, there's a type here. Brings us to our own cross until we come to the place that we're willing to confess. If you're willing, amen, if you're not willing to confess, if you're not willing to speak it out to God and just say, here I am, God, I'm no good, I'm sorry, I'm this or whatever it might be. I tell you, even the writer John makes it clear unto us, even after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you still got to confess those sins. God, I've messed up. I got to die out. God, I need your mercy. I need your compassion. Now, I don't believe like some may believe. I don't believe going to this or to that one and telling you your problems and telling you your sins and telling I don't, I don't. I believe that's a dangerous thing. There's only one high priest, and he's entering the heavens. I don't need a man high priest, and that includes me. You don't need me. I'm not your high priest. 
I'm just a part of the five-fold ministry. But you got a high priest that never slumbers, that never sleeps. You got a high priest, amen. That, 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 even when you can't even put words to it, but with a broken, a contrite spirit, amen. And you come to that throne room, you come crying out, you can find mercy and grace. Hallelujah, come rushing down, and our God's ready to cleanse us. Our God's ready to deliver us. Our God's ready to set us free if we're willing to confess it, if we're willing to forgive and even forgive ourselves. Oh God, I need your help. We're living in a world today that powers of wickedness. I mean, you remember, I told what the gentleman was in California talking about the spirit of iniquity and the demonical forces, and God showed him in a dream and how they were just huge. And then he moved him to the East Coast and had a dream again, and they weren't near the size, but they was increasing. God revealed unto him that uh, the spirit of iniquity and how we give an end to them and we feed them and they increase. You know, it still amazes me that most of our hurricanes come off of the coast of Africa. And there are some spirits in these foreign countries. They have to deal with some stuff. To live for God over there, it's a different ball game. You hear me? It's a different spiritual ball game. If you're going to live for God. Because I'm telling you that enemy is going to try to attack. And he's going to try to destroy. And so... As we watch this here, I know my time's about up. One of the male factors which hung railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Which simply means wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. What is meant by this term paradise? Paradise actually itself means a garden. It's a place where there is flowers and peace and great contentment. It's, in fact, paradise and gardens. You can you read even to the rich, even in the Old Testament, they would have uh, gardens and vineyards and places that they could go and be a place to relax, a place of great comfort. And, and so here in this paradise that is referred to or likened to there's actually a couple of places in the scriptures, amen, that mentions this paradise and Paul's writings about it too. Whenever uh, Philippians 1.23, Brother Brent, if you don't mind, we're just going to go to a couple of these and spend just a moment there, amen, about this because uh, uh, how important it is when death itself comes to this body. 
Now, I'm a strong believer. I don't put, I don't try to put people in anywhere. I really don't. I mean, we can observe and we can know by the scriptures and, and, but thank God they're in the hands of a merciful God and a loving God. If God works on some of this, all that, that's God's business. Okay. Amen. But, um, but we know that by the scriptures, even here, and when we begin to look at them, begin to observe what it talks about, uh, amen, the, the power of it. He says, for I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be, to be with Christ, which is far better. So he's basically saying that whenever the departing of this body, my spirit, it's going, it's going to somewhere. It's in Job, it talks about the spirit goes back to God, this, this, this body, it goes back to earth, it goes back to the mother of earth, it goes back to that place. Go to 2 Corinthians 12 and 4. Again, we're going to see where he's talking about uh, and even uses this term. And as he says, for I am, we got there yet. Yeah, we're getting there, though. Uh, we're seeing uh, something that's going to be very important to where our abode's going to be. And, and there's different ideas, opinions, Abraham's bosom and things of this nature. In fact, the Catholic Church, amen, took this doctrine, this purgatory, and a place that you could actually, if you gave enough money and enough prayers made, that you could get them out of purgatory. That, that's, that's winds of doctrines, ladies and gentlemen. It won't work. That doesn't work. Amen. And uh, for this place of abode and this place, amen, is talked about. But when you go to Second Vincent, how that he was caught up into paradise. Now, here's the place, and it's some 14 years prior. And, and I pondered this and thought about this even, you know, that Paul, Paul waited some 14 years, as far as we can tell, to even mention this experience that he had. And he said, I heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for me, a man, to utter. Amen. He goes on and talks about it. He said, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body, things of this nature. But he calls it into paradise, a place of abode, a place where Christ. And so even here when he makes mention to this thief a man that you mean today today you'll be in paradise with me a man today the day that you're going to die the day a man your, your spirit you know is going to come and go in the boat and, and be with me so there is that place a man that you and I it's, it's, we can look at this and tell there is a paradise there's a place of rest for the spirits because if you go on to another place Paul's right and he talks about when God comes he's going to bring the spirit back now they don't have the body yet but that spirits are going to come back of the saints of God and they're going to those that's dead in Christ are going to be quickened or brought alive and come up in the newness of life out of those great those, those spirits are going to actually take on bodies now amen to go out out into eternity and you and I that remain amen in a moment a quick and I we're going to be transformed this mortal is going to put on immortality this, this celestial is going to put on this celestial this, so all this is going to transpire and take place in a moment of time Actually, it's so important to keep our focus on this. That's the reason Paul helped us to, to understand not to have our eyes on these earthly stuff. Man, we could spend hours on a lot of this, have nice things and things of this nature. But, but when that moment comes, none of that's going to matter. It's not going to matter. Peter said all the elements are going to burn up. All that was done. I'm not saying don't do nothing. What I'm saying is it got to be a balance to it. You can't get so caught up in all of that. That you really don't have any time to visit the cross. You know Paul taught us. He said body exercise profit a little. 
And there's nothing wrong. But what, what, what he's doing, he's comparing that to eternity. You can, you can spend an hour or two working and getting this body in shape, making it look good. But don't spend none with God and work on the heart and the soul and the spirit of this vessel. All that other's in vain. Because it doesn't matter how much exercising you do, how many vitamins you take, how well you eat. Huh. You're going to die. It's appointed. And watch this. And after that, the judgment. Judgment. And so this body goes back to Mother Earth. But this spirit goes to God. And thankful, it's up to God from there. We'll never forget with the hall, with the first, you can stand. I'm through. Brother Hall told me I was actually the first funeral I ever preached. I didn't even know the lady. Didn't hardly know the family. But I got asked, and I said I would do it. So I was talking to him. He says, Brother, he said, I'm going to pass on something that an elder preacher gave me years ago. He said, there's not one thing that you can say to change the destination of that individual. He said, there's not one thing you don't say that's going to change the destination of that vessel. It's out of your hands. All we can do from that point is try to warn others and help others saying, our day's coming. Unless the rapture takes place, our moment, our day's coming. So he found compassion. He found mercy. He found ability to repent. Hanging on a cross. And all this pain and agony. And all the distractions. And folks, he didn't go with the majority. He didn't listen to the majority. He listened to the man. Now watch this. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But why was Jesus in the center? He was the innocent one. He had committed no crimes. In fact, the practice was that they would take signs. And they would either, the, the, the one that was going to be crucified would carry it with the cross. And then they would attach it to the cross. And that was the reason that would let everybody that was witnessing and come by and observe this. This is the reason this has happened to him to not to do this. Here's Jesus. You know why they put him in the center? Because they wanted to focus on him. That he was the most wicked, but yet he was the most innocent. He was the most vile, but yet he had not committed not one crime. They couldn't. They watch this. They sent him to Pilate. Pilate sent him to Herod. Neither one of them could find any, anything, a man worthy of death. They didn't send him to two most powerful witnesses that they could have sent to and proved him either guilty or not guilty. And they couldn't find it. But they was determined why? Because the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Here's the deal, folks. I'm glad he didn't come off the cross. I'm glad he went to the grave. I'm glad Jesus is willing to die. God help me. God help me become more willing to die. 
Folks, these are some powerful lessons. Last week, he taught us how to be willing to forgive and the importance of forgiving. And without willing to forgive, we're going to be lost and undone. It's a hell or heaven issue. Watch this. If I'm not willing to die as a cross, it's another hell or heaven issue. Because if I don't experience the cross and experience the foot of the cross, I cannot be saved. It's impossible. Everybody's got to come to the foot of the cross. Everybody's got to bear the cross. Everybody's got to die. Everybody. And then come up at the newness of life. You're talking about a change. You're talking about passions and desires. Changes. And I'm telling you, you're talking about windows begin to open up. Hey, I've, I've, I've told you before, but when I started coming and God just worked it out. And hey, I didn't know. I said, man, what's wrong with this and that? And, but man, with the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost reveals things and open your eyes and your ears that you'll never understand. That you won't see the harm in it. And you won't see the curse that comes along. But all of a sudden when the Holy Ghost starts to open up, it's so obvious then. It's so revealing then to understand. You know why? Because you died out to self. You killed this old man. And as much as Abraham, man, before he could ever come, he had to make his way to the promised land. And I don't say this disrespectful. But the old man had to die. The old man had to die. And you know what? That's the same thing with you and I today. This old man has to die. And not just once. As long as we live in these earthen vessels. <laughs> we got to put him on the cross. We got to nail him to the cross. And the more often we'll nail him to the cross. You'll find out you won't have near the crosses with us. You know why we got so many crosses with others? It's because we're not willing to be nailed to our own cross. But if we'll get nailed to our own cross and die out to our own cross, I won't have near the crosses. I will, especially with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Because it's not the will of God and the will of the Father for that to happen. And the only reason it will happen is because I've failed to visit my cross die out again Lord we love you this morning and appreciate you in this house today I thank you for every soul and every life that's represented in this place this morning we're praying for those that's not here the powers of your grace and mercy and compassion as you anoint each vessel here today God you help us you help us be willing to die you help us be willing to go to the cross. You help us, God, in this world and time that we're living to make our calling and election sure. You put a burning passion inside of us to be soul winners. But not just soul winners. God, you put a passion in us to be soul keepers. That those that's already been won, that God, we visit the cross on a regular basis. That we can help keep ourselves in a raptured condition. We can help keep ourselves in a repentant condition. Because we don't know the hour and the moment 
moment when you're going to come. But we want to be ready. We want to be ready to meet you. We want to be ready to experience the power, amen, of being with you on the other side. It's the power of the kingdom that's coming. What we have tasted and the places we have set by your presence. God, I'm asking for a special touch and a visitation upon every soul in this house this morning. Upon the souls that's not here, God, healing will come rushing into their bodies. Healing would come rushing into their minds and into their spirit. The things that hinders them from coming to the house of God. They find the victory, God, even as we pray this morning. The victory, God, would move upon their behalf. This church would join together in prayer. We lift up our voices and call on you to baptize our minds, to baptize our hearts, to stir us up in this end time, God. Stir us up about the coming of the Lord. Stir us up about revival. Stir us up about souls being born, working together and being unified, being the body, God, that will represent your head, that will represent your kingdom, that will represent your love, that will represent your name. We walk in the goodness of God, the mercy of the Lord, and the power thereof, giving you all the glory, giving you all the praise, giving you all the honor this morning. We ask it in no other name but in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Church, let's put our hands together with thanksgiving. God loves us. God cares for us. God's working for us. There's no telling what all God's got in store for this local assembly and all the assemblies. As we, we purpose in our hearts and minds. I want to bear the cross he wants me to bear. I want to live the life he wants me to live. I want to be the sacrifice he wants me to be. I don't be nonchalant and half-hearted about being a Christian. Not just on Sunday morning and Sunday nights either. I want to be a Christian on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, any other day of the week. Oh, God, help us in this world that we're living. We need some lights and some candles that shine like never before because we're living in a dark hour and a dark day. But we got the message. Let's give it to them. God bless you this morning.